Good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's good to see your smiling faces this morning. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I am. I like to be here. I don't like to be there. <laughs> so I ask, <laughs> you know, I feel too far away. I like to be close to the people I'm speaking to. <laughs> so here I am. Um, I would like us to do something that we don't normally do, but uh, I think it's a very good idea, and a lot of churches do that. Whoops. <laughs> uh, and we don't need that yet in, in a few minutes. I really enjoyed those songs, especially the one uh, about drawing near to Jesus, because that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning, how much we want to live in his presence and, and to know him day by day. Um, I would like you to take the Bible that's sitting in front of you, or if you have something else, but we'll all be on the same page if we, if we do this, and I want you to turn to two places in that Bible. First, I want you to turn to 855, or 855, and then if you'll turn to uh, 600, let's see, got it written down here. Turn over to, because uh, <laughs> I want us all to be looking at the same thing. Uh, oh, 869, sorry, 869, okay? 855 and 869. Now, I would like all of you to please stand up. <laughs> we were just standing. We should honor the Word of God when we read it by standing. So we're going to be reading a couple of passages this morning, and I want us to all stand and do that. And we can have the overhead. Now, the overhead has the first passage, but the, it doesn't have the second passage. And uh, shall we all read together? Starting with verse 1 of James 4. Hey, everybody together. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you ask do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay, let's go over to Revelation chapter 3. And starting with verse 14. Okay. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you know, realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you speak to our hearts, that you tell us of your love for us, of your desire to have a relationship with us. God, I pray that, you, that our hearts would be open to hear what the Spirit would say to us as your church today. And we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, so these are two, pa <clears throat> two passages that uh, have a similar uh, kind of a viewpoint and goal to them. James starts, that now I, let's see, I want to, we want to say a little bit about James and John. John is what? He's the... He, he wrote the book of Revelation, and he was what? He was one of the disciples, one of the 12 apostles. Okay, James was one of the 12. Uh, no, he was not. It's the other James. <laughs> it, John was one of the 12 apostles. Excuse me, I got the wrong word there. John was one of the 12 apostles. But... Uh, the person who wrote James, this book of James, was not the Apostle James. Now, many of us think that the Apostle James wrote, uh, wrote the book of James, but it was not. Uh, it was the brother of Jesus, James the brother of Jesus, because we know uh, from Acts that uh, James was martyred. James the Apostle was one of the first martyrs, and uh, early in the book of Acts, we hear about his uh, 
uh, martyrs, him being martyred. And so the, this James that wrote this was the James that was the leader of the Jerusalem council that we read about in Acts uh, when the, they had a uh, disagreement uh, among the Christians, some of the, and back then, you know, during the time of Acts, the majority of the church was Jews, all right? It, it, it was not Gentiles. As Acts goes on, we see more and more Gentiles coming to the Lord, but to begin with, the church was Jews, uh, and so it, James and the other apostles came together because there were people that had gone out from Jerusalem and they went to the first, some of the first Gentile believers and they said, hey, you know, you have got to be circumcised, you've got to follow all these laws and blah, 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 like that. And Paul's saying, no, that's not so. And so they met in Jerusalem and they had this council in Jerusalem to decide how to disciple the Gentiles. And so James was, it was this James that wrote this book. But he didn't write this book to Gentiles. He wrote this book to Jewish believers. He is not talking in this book to people that are outside the church. He's talking to the church when he's talking in this. And I want you to know, if you really read the book of James, it is quite <laughs> punch, 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 one right after the other, you know. He starts out pretty nice, you know. He's saying, you know, consider it for joy. Pure joy what? When you're suffering. <laughs> okay, so he starts out with that. Consider it joy when you're suffering. And then he goes on uh, to talk about, uh, um, all right, the... Um, all right, the next thing he talks about is listening and doing. All right, he tells us that we should not be just listeners to the word of God, but we need to be doers of the word of God. And then he goes on to talk about you shouldn't play favorites. It's wrong. You know, the church is not a place to have favorites. And uh, then he tells them you need, to, uh, you need to act, you need to keep the royal law found in scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself. So he's telling us, this is what's expected of you. And he goes on to say, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by this law. Right? That's the law by which we're judged. And then he talks about faith and deeds, how that faith is dead without deeds. Okay? That, that, that somehow our faith isn't just something that's out there, but our faith has to be real. And if our faith is real, our lives are going to show it. So he talks about that. And then he talks about the tongue, what a horrible thing the tongue is, and how it sets everything on fire, and what an awful, uh, an awful thing it is. <laughs> and then he goes on to talk about in, where we've come to now in chapter 4, and he's, he's, he talked, just previously that, he talks about them having, self, uh, having envy and selfish ambition. Now, he's not talking about worldly people. He's, you know, people of the world. He's talking about Christians, that, they're, that they are envying and having um, selfish ambition. And he's saying to them, this is not right. And then he goes on to say, that what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it because 
you don't have the desires. And uh, let's look at verse 1, James 4, verse 1. All right, in the uh, uh, English Standard Version, it says, your passions are at war within you. And then in verse 3, he says, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This, these two words, that are tra the, the, the two times in this passage where that word is, the Greek word that is translated passions there is uh, the Greek word that is, and I never know how, quite how to pronounce that, but anyway, the English, is, the English equivalent is hedonism. Well, that's a very strong word. Are we as Christians to be hedonist? <laughs> Are we to live a hedonistic life? You know, that's not something that we think of as being good, is it? It's, it's, it's the way of the world. All right, so it means pleasure, enjoyment, but usually in a bad sense, evil pleasure, lust. And so he's saying uh, it's, this is what is causing these fights among you, your selfish ambition is a lust for power to be up there, to be number one, to have other people look to you. That's the opposite of what Jesus talked about for his disciples, isn't it? He says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you'll be the servant of all. And so James is reiterating this here in this passage. All right, we see that the uh, uh, comparison uh, of these uh, in different translations. The New King James Version uh, says in verse 1, desires for pleasure, and in verse 3, pleasures. Uh, the NIV says desires in verse 1 and pleasures in uh, verse 3. But like I said, the, the ESV translates it the same in both verses. And sometimes we can get a fuller meaning of of a word and, and what's being said by comparing translation with translation. Um, so he's saying to them that, uh, that this, is, th this desire, this yearning in people's hearts, it wars within them. And it is not a godly desire. It is hedonistic. It is anti-God. And he's saying, as believers, as followers of God, uh, we shouldn't have these. And if we're asking God for that, we're not going to get it, <laughs> okay? Just, just believe that, okay? <laughs> so uh, then he goes on in verse, uh, well, in verse 2, which is in between those, he says, you kill. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, really? Are they going out and stabbing each other? What is, what on earth does James mean by you kill? And I guess we can kind of think of it in the sense that Jesus talked about it because in uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 22, uh, he says, you have heard that it was said to men of old, you shall not kill, and whoever kills shall be liable to punishment. This is one of the commandments. Okay, and uh, but I say to you, this is Jesus talking, that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice, enmity of heart, 
against him shall be liable to punishment. And whoever speaks contemptuously or insultingly to his brother shall be liable to punishment. And whoever says, you cursed fool or you empty-headed idiot shall be liable to the hell of fire. This is from the Amplified Edition, which kind of gives all the different meanings, but I think it gives us a really strong meaning of what was Jesus talking about and what is James talking about. These are things that ought not to be in the family of God. And <clears throat> then in uh, verse 4, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Strong, strong words, again, from James. How much, I wonder sometimes how much the church as a whole, I'm not talking about this congregation particularly, but just the church as a whole, how much does the church really believe that this is true? How much do people that claim to be Christians and to know God, how true is it that they are more friends of the world than they are friends of God? Are you, am I, are we being more friendly to the world than we are towards God? It's something we need to search our hearts for. Are we, uh, <clears throat> do, are we creating that friendship with the world? And James says friendship with the world is hatred towards God. And in the Greek, both adulterer and adulteress are used. <clears throat> it says there that uh, most of our translation says adulterous people. But I think James is being really strong here because he doesn't use either the masculine or the feminine. He uses them both. So he's saying to us, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter what your gender are. Gender is your adulteress. That's what he's calling these Christians that are uh, being friends to the world. That's what he's calling them, adulterers. And this uh, has been <clears throat> a word that has, the, the friendship of the world um, is spiritual adultery. This has always been true. From uh, the time that Israel was made a nation, until now, God considers friendship being a, uh, uh, taking on the world as being enmity towards God. Okay, um, it shows unfaithfulness to God and our pledge of devotion to him. This friendship involves embracing the world's attitudes, values, practices, ungodly pleasures, and corrupt ways. How much of the time do we take on, especially, I think, the world's attitudes and values? Do we value the things of God or do we value, do we put our values on money, position, prestige? Is that what we're valuing in our lives? Are our attitudes such that we are hateful towards our family, our fellow Christians, people of the world. Are we hateful? Is our, are the things that we say to people hurtful? Do we just say whatever we want to say whenever we want to say it and, and, and 
then expect them to, <laughs> to not be hurt or troubled by it? What are our attitudes? What are our values as Christians? Uh, <clears throat> God tells us in the Old Testament that God is jealous for our undivided love and loyalty. The second commandment, which is found in both Exodus 24 through 5 and Deuteronomy 5 uh, through 9, it's exactly the same in both places. It says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now here he's talking specifically about idolatry, which the Jews became idolatrous. They were making all the sacrifices in the temple and at the same time making sacrifices to idols. Cannot be. This, this, is, this is what stirs up God's jealousy. He does not want our hearts to be divided. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's our whole being. We need to love him totally with everything that there is within us. <clears throat> and then James, we're going to go on to James 4, 6. The, he's, he's talking about God is jealous. And he goes on in um, verse 5, um, to verse 6, to say, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives attention and help to the humble person. A theme of both the Old and the New Testament, pride causes God to turn from our prayers and withhold his grace. To be uh, exalted in our own minds is to pursue the honor and esteem from others in order to satisfy our pride and it is to cut ourselves off from, it's, at the same time, it cuts ourselves off from God's help. But for those who humbly submit to God and pursue a deeper relationship with him, God gives an increasing measure of grace. I want us to turn back over to Revelation and look at that a little bit, because if anything, thing, this, uh, the, the church in Laodicea was a church where usually Jesus had something uh, nice <laughs> to say about every church. You know, you're doing this good and you're doing this good, but, but this and this and this. You know, La Laodicea, he just says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. And then what does he say? Sis, I wish you were one or the other. But since you're only lukewarm, and I put it this way, you make me sick. <laughs> okay. He says he's going to spit them out of his mouth, however that means. Maybe a bad taste, maybe sick to his stomach. I don't know. <laughs> but he says he really doesn't want, he, he, he can't have anything to do with people who are neither hot nor cold. He wants us to be, you know, he, he'd rather be us in the world 
or totally in his kingdom. He doesn't want people with one foot in one place and one foot in another because it's impossible. It's impossible to live that way. And um, he goes on to say, you say I am rich and don't, do not need a thing. And this church in Laodicea so um, embodies what I see so much in the church today, worldwide, is a sense of, of as long as I'm happy, as long as I can sing and dance, as long as, 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 as I'm getting along, you know, and, and no troubles are coming towards me, and all of this kind of stuff, it's Jesus, 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 Yahweh, hooray, you know, this kind of thing. But you just allow one little thing to happen to them, one little thing to go against them, and they're like, God doesn't love me. <laughs> you know? Why am I sick? God doesn't love me. Why did this happen to me? Why did I get in a car accident? It must be God's punishing me. You know, we're always very quick to say that. We're shallow, we're immature, we're not at this place in the Lord where we, especially those who have been Christians for many years, where we need to be, where we should be. We're not, in, not as deep in God. And that song that we sang, that prayer of our heart, Lord, draw me deeper. Let me know you better. Let me dwell in your presence. And... If this is the cry of our heart, then that's what God wants to see. That's the kind of thing that he wants from us. And so he says he wants them to buy gold from him because what they have is, is dross. It's nothing. So come to me and, and buy gold and get white clothing to cover your nakedness. And I salve, I salve what? So that we can see so that we can see where we are and where we need to be, so that we can see his glory. And then Jesus says here to this church something that always touches my heart, and we put this very often. Um, you see the picture of Jesus knocking at the heart's door, and we use that kind of in an evangelism sense, you know. God standing at the door, knocking at your heart, let him in to be your savior. He's not speaking to unsaved people here. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers when he says, I stand at the door and knock. So he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Isn't that beautiful? He is, he's saying, I discipline you. I am, I rebuke you. I'm going to rebuke you and discipline you because you're not living the right way. You're not living according to my word. And then he turns right around and he says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock and I'm saying to you, if you'll just open the door to me, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and you can eat with me. 
That is so beautiful. He's the God who loves us so much that he disciplines us. And he tells us, look, this is wrong. But then on the other hand, he says, I want to have fellowship with you. I desire from the depth of my heart to have fellowship with you. Is that the desire of our heart? To have fellowship with him? How much time do we spend on our iPhones and, and with all the social media and television and all of those kinds of things? How does that compare with the amount of time that you spend in the Word of God, in prayer, in singing songs of praise to him? How do the two compare? And the Lord has really talked to me about that. I don't do a lot of, of social media kind of stuff. It's not my thing. Uh, but I listen to the radio, and I'm a real newsaholic. You know, I want to know what's going on, curious in the world. And, and God has spoken to my own heart about that and said, how much time are you spending listening to all the awful things that are happening in this world compared to spending time with me and in my presence, worshiping me and, and allowing me to fellowship with you? And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to spend that time with him. And sometimes it may seem like, well, you know, we, we, we start praying and, uh, oh, wow, only five minutes has gone by. <laughs> you know, isn't it? But you know what happens? The more time you spend with him, the more time you want to spend with him. And yes, we have our daily lives that we have to live, but we need to intentionally make that time in our lives to spend with the Lord. And for me, my husband, it's first thing in the morning. We get up early, but we probably, you know, like we get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and it's usually 7 o'clock before we, before we even take a shower and get dressed because we spend that time uh, with the Lord in the Word, praying and, and, and seeking his face. I wouldn't trade that time for anything uh, that, that I spend, but it takes, it wasn't easy to make that habit, all right? It's easier to be tired and sleep in. It's, <laughs> it's easier uh, to do a lot of things than spend that time with the Lord, but we really need to intentionally spend time with the Lord and fellowshipping with him. And then back to James. <clears throat> in James uh, 4, 6 through 8, uh, we learn that God's grace allows us to respond to him. We've talked about grace. See, for those who are humble and submit to God, there's grace. It says, all right, grace allows us to respond to him and gives us power to do and be what he desires. If you come to God, he will come near to you. If you come near to God, that is a promise in both the Old and New Testament. It says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Oh, isn't that a wonderful promise? I think that is such, I mean, that really touches my heart to <laughs> know that. And then he says, wash your hands, you uh, uh, 
I'm sorry, that's a scripture verse. We read that already, all right. Um, in verse 7, it's interesting that he says, then, right? He says, quotes scripture, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit yourselves, therefore, or then. So whenever you see a therefore or a then, you need to look what it's there for. (laughs) And so the therefore means any whatever came, what just preceded what I'm going to say. Because of what I've just said to you, then this is what you need to do about it. Okay, how you, and he gives us there, James gives us, um, so it's referring to uh, God giving us more grace. So how do we receive more grace? Okay, James gives us five means. He says, first of all, submit to God. That's in verse 7. What? By surrendering your desires and plans to him. This putting everything that I have, saying, okay, I'm yours, Lord. I'm just giving everything to you. That's not always easy to do. It's sometimes for some people, it's even harder and harder. We always have to have that in our heart. Lord, I want to submit to you. I want to submit to your will in my life. I want to be what you want me to be. Okay? And then it says, resist the devil. And that's by not giving in to his temptation. That resist means, I don't accept it. <laughs> All right. When he said, when he speaks depression into your mind, recognize it as from the enemy of your soul and resist it. No, I am going to praise God. No matter how I feel, I am going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to sing a song to him. I will not allow you, Satan, to make me depressed. Okay? Instead of just, well, I don't have any. (laughs) But God says resist him. And then he gives us a wonderful promise. He says he'll flee from you. He'll just run away as fast as he can and disappear. (laughs) <laughs> All right. That's basically what that scripture means. You know, Satan will run away from you if you resist him. Remember that. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We belong to him. And when we belong to him, we have the power over Satan. He does not have the power over us. We give in too easily. And sometimes we have opened doors to Satan. We've, we've, we've uh, gotten involved in, in Ouija boards and stuff like this. You know, there's all kinds of ways that you can open the door. You have to recognize those and forsake them and, and, and uh, ask for God's forgiveness, <laughs> you know, and, and put them out of your life. Yes, I did that once, but I am not going to allow that to... Because that opens doors for all kinds of things in our lives. We want to be careful of what our eyes see and what our ears hear because those are gateways. And Satan can, you know, he likes to use those gateways to to bring oppression to us and to, to bring sickness on us and all kinds of things. So we need to be careful 
about those things. We need to really be careful about the things we watch and the things we listen to. And sometimes we say, oh, that's, yeah, you know, that's not so bad. But what are we, are we really opening? Is it something that will glorify God? Does it, does it bring you peace? Does it, does it give you joy? If you go to a movie, do you come away kind of depressed? You know what I mean? There's a lot of ways in which we can open doors to the work of the enemy, but he can never possess us if the Holy Spirit is in us because the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit and, and, and demons cannot co-dwell in the same person, all right? If somebody says you're a Christian and you're demon-possessed, either you're demon-possessed and not a Christian, or you're a Christian and you're not demon-possessed, okay? The two things can't go together in, in a, uh, a believer, someone who has the Holy Spirit in him. Okay, going on, come near to God, they said, how do we come near to him? We come in, near to him in worship and in thanksgiving, prayer, time in his word, and companionship with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think thanksgiving is one of the most important things. All right, we worship, but do we give thanks? If you're having a problem, I, I, I can remember and, and I thought, Wow, where did that come from? <laughs> but I had plantar fasciitis. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a, it's a foot problem. And I would, just in one foot. And uh, I'd get out of bed and I'd put my feet on the ground and oh, that hurts, you know. Uh, and uh, you know what came to my mind first thing? Thank you, Lord, that it's just one foot because I couldn't get anywhere if it was both of them, <laughs> okay? So uh, I think that the Lord just put those thoughts in my mind. You know, be thankful for what you do have. Don't keep complaining about the bad things. But find something opposite that you're going to be thankful for. Be thankful to the Lord. And you know that's going to make a big difference in your life. Just being thankful to the Lord can make a big difference in your life. Okay. And... Um, says, wash your hands. That's external. That's taking care, confessing sin and getting your outward life right with God, the way you act, okay, your actions and things like that. And then he says, purify your hearts by letting God cleanse your inner life and thoughts. So relating to God in these ways as a pattern for your life will allow us to experience God's grace in the fullest. Make these things, make these things a pattern for your daily life every day. Do you do these things? Do you submit to God? Do you resist the devil? Do you come near to God? Do you wash your hands? Do you purify your heart on a daily basis? If you do these things on a daily basis, you will experience God's grace in greater and greater uh, measure, to the fullest measure. All right, and if we do these things, we will have victory over sin and Satan and be effective in our service to God. Praise the Lord for that, Brother Henry.